0: Hey, guys, it's Gary
1: Nerd Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl,
0: Jen. This episode is part of a series about rewriting the rules. More and more, I am seeing smart, savvy, brave entrepreneurs unlearning the old, stale marketing rules that we've been sold as the gospel whether it's sales calls or funnels, email marketing or whatever else, there are people out there who are rewriting the rules and having great success with it, and I wanted to explore in depth through this special series. So, let's go. Our guest today is a keynote speaker and best-selling author who helps women create space for magic in their lives and businesses. She's a former type A corporate banker who opened to her her intuitive gifts at 35. When her father passed away in 2019, the events that followed revealed a deep connection between intuition and the amount of abundance, support, and love we are all willing to allow into our lives. She founded the Receiving School to help others open to their own receiving energy using a blend of common sense, brain science, and a dash of magic. Welcome to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast, Patty Lennon.
1: Oh, yay! Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: <laughs> I am thrilled that you're here. You know, Patty, you are a uh what I call a WD40 guest. Do you know what Do you know what I mean by that? I do not. I like it though. Do you know what WD40 is? Yeah, it gets all the squeaks out, right? Oh, yeah. I wasn't even going to go there, but I mean, I, I wasn't thinking of that brilliant like segue tagline. So, yeah, it gets all the squeaks out. You do that for people. You definitely get their squeaks out, but it's also like it does everything. Like you could do, and my mom is constantly sending me like forwarded emails that show you like 29 things you can that you didn't think you could do with WD 40, right? Like bring back your dull countertops. A million different things. And you, you're you the kind of guest who could talk about anything. You could talk about marketing, crowdfunding, book publishing, time management, coaching, speaking, podcasting, Girl Scouts. There's so <laughs> many things in that noggin of yours. But today, we're going to talk about sales. And we're going to do that through the lens of rewriting the rules, since that's kind of the focus of this special series that I'm doing on this podcast. And when it comes to sales, I don't know anybody who has rewritten the rules more than you have. I love your sales call process, and I'm excited to share it with our listeners. So let me start off with this question. Why do you think people usually struggle with sales anyway? You know, I think it's,
1: the way we're raised and what we see out in the world, whether it's media or our own personal experience with sales, or then later on for us as entrepreneurs, all the digital marketing shtick that we're fed about sales, we have these like, you know, Carl Young, the psycho... Their theorists, you know, kind of coined the idea of archetypes. I mean, it existed before, but that we have these archetypes hanging out in our heads, like the archetypical mother, father, all of those. And I think as sales is concerned, we have like the sleazy car salesperson. And then we've got like the Wall Street slick salesperson. <laughs> and then you've got this like, Earth goddess, mother, moon, whatever, salesperson that just like opens up her, you know, world and everyone just like buys from her. And I think everyone tries to figure out where they fit in in those archetypes. And the reality is, none of those exist in the real world. I mean, those people, those types of people do exist, but most of us don't need any of that. And because we're trying to figure out where we fit as a salesperson, that's where we get lost in the process of sales. And it becomes this super uncomfortable container
0: for most people. Well, I know you disagree with the approach that most quote unquote sales gurus take. What? Why is that? Well,
1: most sales gurus you know, are one of two people. They're either someone who's like born a salesperson and most of us aren't. And what I mean by that is some people are naturally born to ask. Like they'll ask for anything. One of my children is a born salesperson and I love it because I know that he will always have work in the world. Like he mm-hmm. me great comfort. I've got one <laughs> of those too. Yep. When he does not do his schoolwork, it brings me grave comfort to know he will be able to put food on the table. But most of us are not born that way. So a lot of the sales gurus that teach that originally taught are those natural salespeople. So they're teaching something that that works against the way we're actually built. And so they're basically like, just keep asking, always be asking, always be closing. There's this, and for them, that works. But for most people, it doesn't. And so I don't teach that at all. And I'll talk about why in a minute. The second sales guru that teaches is actually someone who learned from that other type of sales guru is now producing their own shtick, essentially, but isn't actually comfortable with it. And so they teach it from this very toxic place. And they tend to use a lot of manipulation and shame in what they teach because they they sort of digested that themselves, not l- like living up to what their sales guru taught them. So this idea that we need to always be closing, the idea that you're successful when you get a sale, that whole concept actually works against people becoming good salespeople because when you actually sell well, what you've done is you have received from the person that you're selling to or the, the group or the community or the company, you've received from them a very clear understanding of what they need in this moment to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve you've digested that information, you've processed it, you've looked internally and decided, am I that solution for them? And if I am, I offer it to them. And then there's this clean exchange. But if I'm not, I offer them something else, either the clarity that I'm not the right person, they should look somewhere else. Maybe I offer them a resource. Maybe I offer them just some clear understanding, giving them back exactly what they need so that they can go out and have a clearer search for it. But it's that clarity that really is at the heart of good sales and sales gurus don't teach that. And I think that's what gets people into this place of sales shame, of
0: sales resistance, and of fear. So you're saying that if we don't make the sale... There's no shame in that, and that's not even a negative thing because if we've listened to them in the interaction, then we can offer them something free or paid and feel good about it. Exactly. So
1: for me, what sales gurus teach typically is that a successful sale is a sale you close. And what I teach is that a successful sales conversation is a conversation where you and the party you're speaking to get clear about exactly what they need and you boldly offer it to them, whether it's you, whether it's your yes or it's your no. And if every single time you have a sales conversation, you accomplish that, that's success That is also the process that starts to unlock the fear and shame you hold inside yourself. Because every time you show up in a conversation and help another person by saying no, you strengthen within yourself that you're a good person in that sales process and then can more freely offer the yeses that, yes, I am the person you should buy from and I'm going to advocate for you to buy from
0: me because that's what a good person would do. So, what is the most important shift that people can make in their mindset to be more successful? Or is that simply it? Is just coming from that place?
1: Well, I, you know, when I teach sales, and I know we're going to do it inside your community, I teach it as a five-step process. And, And in the middle of the five steps is what I call the missing step or the silent step. And it's essentially when you've had a conversation with them about what they need, where they're going and where they are right now, and then kind of summarize exactly what they need at this really high level. At that moment, you want to add a step, and this is the step sales gurus don't teach, where you ask yourself, am i the right person to help them this is where the sort of that little greedy monster that wants all the money gets <laughs> to have you know gets to have a say but that angel inside of you that wants to just be helpful has the power and so that little greedy monster is like, we want the money, but then the angel gets to say, okay, but we only get to have the money when we're the right solution. And are we the right solution? And, and she or he, the angel version gets to decide. And from there, that dictates the rest of the conversation.
0: I love that. All right. Can we back up a minute <clears throat> and yeah. to go back to something that you said about boldly presenting the offer? Mm-hmm. What's all that about? Like how am I gonna? You know, I mean, I I feel like that that's definitely something that takes practice. Yeah, and I I don't know a lot of people who are able to do that really comfortably.
1: Yes. So when you are showing up at the end of the sales conversation, which is where you make the offer, if you're making the offer anywhere earlier in the sales conversation, the way I teach it, that's uh, for me that doesn't really work because. Every person that's in the process of buying anything has a trigger in their brain that is trying to get them to not buy it. No matter how much you need anything, including toilet paper at the beginning of the (laughs) pandemic, there was a part of you that was like, don't spend money. You know, like there is a part in everyone's brain that's like, just don't spend money. Right. So, you want to make sure you don't trip that switch when you're in a conversation with someone. And, and the reason you don't want to trip that switch is because you want to create a safe space for them to explore their needs and find the right solution for themselves. So assuming you don't trip that switch, you're not making an offer early on where you're jumping into the sales conversation saying, hey, I already looked at your form. Let's say you have them fill out a form before they get on the phone with you. And I know... XYZ is great for you. You know, that's not a, an example of a bold offer. That's just cheesy. So, first mm-hmm. you have this conversation with them, you identify their needs. Now you're getting to a point where you've said, Yes, I am the right solution for them. Making a bold offer, two things. One, it does take practice. And I really do encourage people to do a lot of sales conversations in a short window of time because We each within us have a trigger in our brain in the amygdala, the fight or flight response, where we do not want to be seen as that horrible used car salesperson. And so it sort of like retracts us. And the reason it's doing that is it's saying, if you make a bold offer, that other person's going to think you're a cheesy salesperson and they're going to reject you. And we don't want to get rejected. And because we believe that rejection is the worst thing that can happen, our amygdala believes our rejection is the worst thing that can happen to us, it's going to try and get us to avoid it because it's scared of what it would feel like if we get rejected. When you do a lot of sales calls in a short window of time, and I recommend 20 sales calls in 20 days, but you don't have to necessarily take that particular challenge. What happens is all of a sudden your amygdala starts to understand nothing horrible is happening. And always what happens is you have at least one or two sales, but typically a lot more than that. And so then the amygdala gets the reward of success. And that fight or flight response to making a
0: bold offer powers down. So that's piece, That's one piece of it. Hey, sorry to interrupt this juicy conversation, but I wanted to let you know that today... This amazing bundle just dropped. If you go to jenlaner.com/slash bundle, you are gonna love this. I'm basically calling it like an app sumo kind of thing, but it's for information products. So this one is called Coach to Profit 2.0, and I'm one of like 25 other coaches who are contributing their best products. So there's e-courses and PDF workbooks and templates and checklists and all this stuff that they valued all of it at like over $5,000, but they're selling it for $49. So you may have heard me talk about this last month when I wasn't a part of it and it was for people writing books. This bundle is for coaches and consultants. So it's only going to be around for a little while. So check it out again, Jenlaner.com slash bundle. Okay, let's get back to our conversation. The second piece of
1: it is that oftentimes we pull back from a bold offer because we want to take care of the other person and not make them feel bad or awkward if they have to say no. But if you add that missing step where you really do check in with yourself and you say, is this right for them? And for people where it's not the right offer, you spend just as much time and care and energy of helping them leave the sales conversation and go find a different resource. Then that one little step, that missing step, that silent step starts to reimagine for you what your role is. And that role as an advocate then allows you to step into a more bold offer because if money wasn't involved and you had someone standing in front of you that needed, let's say, well, I know we have a house, right? And so in the beginning, we used to buy less expensive tools. My husband would, you know, trying to save money. But over the years of owning a house, we've come to understand it's better to invest more money in the tool that really is going to last, right? So now if we were to see someone that was a new homeowner, we'd be like, believe me, spend the extra $500, get the whatever. In the long run, it will save you money, right? We would show up that boldly because we don't want them to struggle long term. But we're not getting any money for that tool, so it's easy enough to do. Well, the more you spend time in that advocate role, when you get to the point where you're making the offer, the money will stop having so much meaning for you because you're going to see them buying what you're selling is really going to sale- save them time, money, energy, stress. And you're, you you want to advocate for their success. You want them to really understand that from a very pure, giving, helpful place. Does that
0: answer yeah, I guess it for the for the new coach the person or the person who maybe is putting out a new offer let's say they put together like a a group program and they're going to start having sales calls to invite people in and they they know that they're good but maybe they don't really have any uh real proof from this program yet because it's because it's new mm-hmm. and maybe they're Shooting higher than normal, so they've priced it maybe uh, a little more boldly than they would have. It's it it costs more. It's a higher ticket offer, and they're presenting it for the first time. And I think we've all been there. It's just sort of like gulp. You know, will anybody pay this price? You know, is it the same? Is it the same thing? I mean, I guess it's just the same thing. Like you, but I mean, here's. I guess this is what it is. Is like if that person doesn't truly believe that their offer if they don't truly believe in it yet because they haven't delivered the results yet how do you get around that sort of catch 22
1: yes that's such a good question so it's twofold uh, one it's having almost a reckoning with the price and I'll talk about that in a second the first place is it's one thing to to know you're charging the right price but never have charged that price before Mm-hmm. So, not have a bunch of testimonials or anything, but maybe you're doing in a group what you've done privately, right? So you you are definitely know that the program is worth. I'm just going to pick like a middle number. Let's say you know it's worth five thousand dollars if the person shows up fully, but because you don't have you haven't done this in a group setting or you don't have those testimonials, you just maybe are wondering. Are people going to see the value? So you're not wondering, is the program valuable at $5,000? You're wondering, am I good enough to describe the $5,000 worth of value? When that's your challenge, that is a reasonable challenge, it's part of the growth process. And my recommendation is just be gentle with yourself. Are you going to be able to be as bold in that situation as you will the second time you run the program? No, but you do want to keep coming back to what are the outcomes that are possible with this program. And you might even want to have them in front of you just so you can remind yourself. But you're not going to be able to show up the way, let's say, you know, you, Jen, or I can show up in our businesses because we've been doing this forever and the stuff we put out, we've been doing for a really long time. We've gotten Mm -hmm. a million caseloads behind us that can prove, you know, its value. And even if we repackaged it in a different form, we know it works, right? So don't try and be that like 100% bold person, but be as as much of an advocate as you can for that other person that you're speaking to, that person that you're selling to. Because most likely, if you're struggling with your sale price, and I would say this is 99% of the time, you're still charging less than maybe... Wait, can we be explicit? Of course. Some a-hole out there who doesn't care about that person and has no problem charging ten dollars or $20,000 for what you're offering. Just the fact... That you're on that edge about the price tells me you have a conscience, and that's something good in this world right now. But if you have, let's say, a coach who's telling you, "No, no, you got to charge ten thousand dollars for that," and really in your heart of hearts you just not don't you can't get on board with that. That's what I call the reckoning. That's when you really have to say, "Thank you for sharing what you're seeing." I'll split the difference with you. I'm going to go in at 7,000 because I can't show up at 10,000. I just can't. And the price I always recommend to my clients is I'll give them what I feel it's worth, you know, what I'm feeling intuitively, what I'm feeling in the marketplace. But then what I say is pick the price that's going to have an effort to speak it. It's going to put you on the edge of your own vulnerability, but it isn't going to get stuck in your throat. Mm
0: hmm. I love that. All right. So, what about? And I know I've definitely done this. Is I don't do it anymore, thanks to you. But when you put the price out there, so there comes the time in the call, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, oh, this sounds great." You know, what's the investment? Mm-hmm. And then you say ten thousand dollars, and then you 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 say real quick. But you know, I mean, and um, we have <laughs> weekly calls, and then, and also, you know, I'm there all the time, and um, and you know, I have a payment plan, and blah, blah, blah. like, you start to fill in that that space with chatter, mm. like, how do we not do that? Or I guess I should say, like, why is that not good? Number one, and and if it is not a good thing to do, how do we curb that?
1: Yeah. So, in the, it's not a good thing to do, and I'll give you very like. Human explanation, first of all, just strategically in sales, once you give the price, it, you need to stay silent, just as a rule, right? You just got to sometimes you just have to put some containers, some rules in place for yourself so you don't like fall off the wagon, right? So, <laughs> you know, when I start, you know, COVID, I gained weight because I was eating more, you know, junk food than usual. So, then when I'm getting back on track, I just put a rule in place: no sugar. Because I don't try and like figure it out for myself; it just makes it easier. Just no sugar, and then mm-hmm. it's not. Confusing. That's such a good, yeah. That's so a really good. And sales it's just like because, like you know, I can convince myself that three M and M's aren't going to be a problem, but just take the decision away. So this is one of those places where you just have to put a rule: just be quiet. It's going to be painful. It's going to be feel super uncomfortable at first. You just be quiet, and so. That's the rule. and But from a real human level, when I talk, when I teach sales, I talk about it as if you are passing a ball back and forth between you and the other person you're speaking to. And always you want to keep the ball moving back and forth, which means if you've handed off the ball to the person you're speaking to, you need to wait for them to give you the ball back. You don't go and grab the ball back from them. And that's the conversation, the art of the conversation. So once you've handed them the price, the balls in their court, you need to respect the fact that they are equal in this conversation. Mm. They have the ball and you need to wait for them to hand you back the ball. And it's that's for them to do.
0: Oh, I love that. And that's something I think everybody can really wrap their brain around. That's so visual to me. So I really like that. All right. So would you mind, and if you don't want to do this, this is fine, but I would love it if you would sort of walk us through the steps of the way you do a call.
1: Yep. I can do it super quick.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: And the first step, it might be a little bit different than what you're used to. So not you, Jen. I know you've taken, you know, you know, my, my steps, but. I know your steps. So a lot of people will start a conversation with saying, so why did you come? What's wrong? What do you want to change? The first thing you want to do in a sales conversation is really start with where would you like to be a month from now, six months from now, a year from now? And if you're selling like, let's say an object, you don't have a service-based business, which is really only what I deal in. But let's say you're selling a couch where it's not like, where do you want to be a year from now? A cow?
0: We're a selling cow. a cow? <laughs> no, a cow. We <laughs> could be, but a couch. <laughs> a couch. A uh, couch. Sofa, yes. Sorry. Well,
1: same thing. Well, a year from now I'd like to be <laughs> drinking milk from my own cow, right? So <laughs> where the where that question's kind of a well little off. It, it could be like, so you've walked into my furniture store. You know, what do you see yourself acquiring? So The point of the beginning of that sales conversation is you want to get them into the highest vibration possible. You want to get them into what's possible for them. And so when you're doing a service-based business, definitely, you know, I'm so excited to be on the call with you, to hear what you're um, looking to do or create or become. Tell Tell me what you want a year from now, six months from now that brought you to this call. So you really want to get them to that higher feeling place. And the reason is from a very practical standpoint, you always want to be clear. You both want to have the starting and end point agreed upon, meaning you both want to be on the same page of where this person you're helping is going. From an energetic or a metaphysical standpoint, that actually sets the sales conversation into the vibration of possibility which is a much higher vibration than the vibration of challenge or fear, which is probably what's really brought them to the sales conversation, meaning something's mm-hmm. wrong that they want to change. So first step is where do you want to go? Then you can get them to where they are, You know where, what's going on for them right now. So then the second step is, okay, and where are you right now? And in the process of doing that, then you want to create a bridge for them that explains to them how they get from where they are to where they want to be. So for instance... I have a program called The Receiving School and it helps people open up to receiving. And so if they're saying, you know, they come to me and they're like, I really just want to be able to, I know I'm blocking money. I want to let in more money. And then they say, where I am right now is, you know, I'm blocking money, right? So where I want to be six months from now is I want to be flowing $10,000 a month in my business. And where I am right now is I'm blocking it when i repeat that back to them i'm going to say okay so then what we want to do is remove that those blocks and you want to release the resistance that is keeping that away and that's a very simplistic version of a sales conversation but that would be sort of the bridge so meaning I'm not telling them you need receiving school, so that's a mistake people make. So you don't want to say, "Oh, what you need to fix this is my thing." I'm selling. You want to give them the solution without attaching it to your program. So if Jen, let's say you were doing CEO, can I use CEO, or do you want me? Yeah, front row CEO, Mm -hmm. front row CEO. So where, you know, where I want to be a year from now or six months from now is I want to have my perfect VA in place. I need help. I know I need help. I see myself. I'm free from all of these menial tasks. I am like flying high. I am running my, my company at the level of CEO. But where I am right now is I'm doing all the things. I'm wearing all the hats. I'm so sick of it. I hate all these tasks. So then Jen might say, okay, well, the first step is to really get clear about what tasks you're ready to let go of. And I, I, Jen, I may not do a perfect job of this, but I've no, done so yeah. So I can of, you know, and so then the second step is really to create a strong job description of exactly who you want to then put that job description out in a way that allows you to attract the right candidates, put a testing process in place, and then ultimately have an onboarding and training process for your assistant so that they do become that perfect VA. Now, that is in part what Front Row CEO gives you, but at no point have I mentioned the program. Does that make Uh, sense? Yes. So you're helping them believe in the solution without triggering them that you're trying to sell them something and also giving them some time and space to contemplate the solution without the price tag so they can even feel into, is that right for them? And then before you move to that silent step, you want to ask them, does that sound good? Does that make sense? And that's where you really get that fertile ground of getting underneath what do they need? Where are the solutions? Because the person might say to you, Jen, oh God, I'm so bad at hiring. I've tried hiring. I can't, you know, that sounds good, but I know I'm terrible at hiring. And that's where you can say, well, you know, there's, there's programs, mine's one of them. You can mention it at that point, but there are ways to get training on how to hire. Being good at hiring isn't something people are born with. It's something they learn how to do, and most likely you just haven't had the proper training on how to hire. So you're really getting underneath their objections before you're actually getting to the offer stage. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, this is so good. Okay. So once they're like, "Oh,
1: okay. All right." And now they're like, "Okay, yes, then that makes sense to me." That's when you go inside and say, you know, is front row CEO right for this person? And if it was the conversation we just had, naturally you'd be like, yes. But if the person through all of that was just like, oh, I don't know. it's, And you can just feel that they're staying, they're committed to staying in their challenged place. At this point, you might feel like, you know what? CEO will be good for them at some point, but what they need right now is they need some mindset shifts. And for them to use Front Row CEO properly, they need to get to a place of positivity and possibility. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. And at that point, you wouldn't go any further with the offer. You'd say, you know what? I know that this is going to work for you at some point in the future, but here's what I really think you need. What I think you need right now is... And you might say a mindset course. I think you need a vacation. I think you you could recommend (laughs) what? You need a Xanax. Yeah, you need need therapy. (laughs) I mean, there's been times in my coaching as a business coach where I'll get to this point and I'll say, look, I really want to move forward with you. I actually think I can help you and we can talk about how that would work. But what I think you need right now is marriage counseling. Every step of this conversation, you have talked about your partner as being a problem. And if that's what's most alive for you, you need to start with marriage counseling and then come back and we'll talk more. Anyway, but most of the time you're going to get someone, I mean, you you know, as long as you've had a clear sales introduction process, meaning whatever got them onto a sales call, there was some introductory type of sales page or training or a blog article that kind of prepped them for what you're about. Mm-hmm. 80 to 90% of the time, you're going to be like, yes, this is the right solution for them. Then the next step you're going to make is you're going to get permission to make an offer. And this is another thing that a lot of people skip over. So this is where, you know, as you think about the ball being passed back and forth, you've said, is this, does this sound like a solution for you? They've given you the ball back by saying, yes. Now you need to give them the ball back, but you don't want to go right to the offer. You want to say, well, I have a program that really does what I've just described, and I do think it would be good for you. Would it be okay if I offered it to you, if I told you about it? Now you've handed them the ball back, and then, you know... I've never actually had an experience where people were like, nope. Um, so then they're going to say, yes, it's okay. And what's happened in you asking permission is you've added another layer of respect. You've added a layer of trust. You've gotten them to commit to the offer, which then frees you up to make the offer internally, you know, psychologically. And so then you, that's where you make the bold, bold offer. And when you make the offer, you want 80% of your language to stay on benefit and 20% to stay on features, meaning most of the words you use should be talking about what they're going to get from it in terms of change in life. So with Jen, it would be like, you know, what you're going to get from this program is the freedom to really do the high-level work you know you're meant to do, to do the $100,000 an hour work that you can produce and not being sucked down by the $5 an hour task. What you're going to get is the ability to make more money because you're doing more of that money-making activity and not have to focus on replying to emails or processing blogs or whatever is sucking you down. In the program, you'll have my time and attention. So you're going to have my eyes directly on your business. So you're not going to have to worry, are you doing it right? So most of that language is actually benefits. We're not actually talking about the specifics about front row CEO. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. I love that so much. Um, can you model that for receiving school as well? Like what would that look like for you to talk about the benefits school. versus the features? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
1: and so receiving school is like a six-module, eight-week course, right? So. I would say, so in receiving school, we're going to spend two months together. During that time, what you're going to start to understand is first, so early on, you're going to learn some of the behaviors you're doing on a daily basis are actually blocking things from coming in right away. A lot of our members see what we have tagged bags of money coming into their life within the first one or two weeks. These are typically smaller amounts of money, $50 to $500 that To just show up magically, there are signs that you're on the right path. Then as that trust starts to build, that's where you're going to learn how to attract more money, more love, more support. And you're going to start to understand how to communicate with the other side of the veil, how to get signs from source, how to get signs from the universe, how to hear from your loved ones that you're missing so that you're getting permission to move forward with your life path and you get to feel good about it. Okay. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, well, I was just gonna say. So at this point, this is probably where I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds really great. What's yeah. the investment?
1: Right now, most, is that
0: that's when it that happens, right? right?
1: And that's and so part of making the offer is to say, do you have any questions? Because most people won't say, oh that sounds great. How much is it? You will, John. You're <laughs> built like that, but most people won't. So right. you want to now you've handed that to them, and so you need to get the ball back. And the way you get the ball back is saying, do you have any questions? Most likely most of the offer questions have already been dealt with at that stage where you talked about the bridge, but they might have one or two more questions about the program, but then they will likely say, yes, how much is it? And that's when you will give them the price and then you'll stay quiet until they answer you.
0: Okay. Well... We've mentioned receiving, like I feel like it's this very elusive thing because we've really only touched on it. Um, And we know you have receiving school and receiving is a big part of all of this. But what is the actual relationship between sales and receiving?
1: Well, you know, at the heart of it, and this is why I get so passionate about talking about sales, even though I'm not, you know, I have no sales program out there, but I love talking about because ultimately it's such a rich playground to show us, where we struggle receiving. Most people, I will put quote unquote, good people, people who are doing what they do in the world to help others struggle with sales really because they just struggle with receiving. They're used to being the helper, the healer, the taker, carer of others. Mm -hmm. They're used to feeling valuable when they produce, when they help, when they do something. Receiving is not something we're trained naturally to do. And to me, playing in that little playground of, you know, really trusting yourself in sales really brings up all your stuff about am I worth it? Do I get to receive? Do I get to take in money for
0: what I do? And can that be okay for me? I love it. This is so good. Okay, Patty, this, this has really been amazing. I want to ask you something that as a close friend of mine, you would have thought I would have asked you before now, but it just hit me. Like, I'm so curious because you have all these gifts and you blow me away every time you open your mouth. What did you want to be when you were like nine years old? Oh my goodness! I can't believe we haven't talked about this because I think it's so
1: funny. Because we always like hear, you know, what you want to be as a child is sort of like what you become, like ultimately, if you like f- sort of follow your passion or kind of define your purpose, go back to what you wanted to be as a kid. Yeah. I wanted to be a missionary. The idea, and we joke about this because Jen, Jen, you're Jewish, and I'm a former Catholic, and up <laughs> 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 about Jesus, but being in my little Catholic bubble and not having other concepts of god at the time the idea that there were people in the world that didn't know that god loved them it, it was excruciating for me and so like my number one thing i wanted to do was just to go around the world and tell people that god loved them that jesus loved them but you're doing that so I, and i really which like is- at the heart of what i do is like everything i do even for you listening in sales if you knew when you're about to make the offer that Divine, who, you know, whatever you call your divine being or God or your higher power is with you in that moment and is holding you and thinks you're precious and loved and valuable. Like that is always what I want people to understand that they're never alone, no matter how alone they feel. Ugh
0: so good patty thank you so much you guys i know you want if you're listening and you've you've been with us this entire episode i know that you're going to want to hear more from patty so the best thing to do is go to pattylennon.com she's also generously uh, offering to us a sales script and a receiving guide so you can go to slash 53 and pick those up in the show notes go to pattylennon.com to learn more about Patty. And Patty, I imagine they could click there to subscribe to your podcast as well, right? Uh, y- you would think so. <laughs> but- <laughs> what, what is the name of your podcast again? Wealth, Wealth and purpose. purpose. Wealth <laughs> and purpose. <laughs> I am sure, people, that you could go to her website and connect to her podcast. It's so so good. And go to go to iTunes and look for it if it's not on her website, which yes. I'm sure it is. No, so. yeah, if
1: you go to pattyland.com forward slash podcast, then yes, it's yes. Perfect.
0: I should have said that. All right. Okay, Patty. Thank you. I just can't thank you enough. This was awesome. And I'm sure I'll have you to to come back on again to talk about some other thing that you're uh, brilliant, that you're brilliant about, because you are a WD-40 guest.
1: Oh, I love you. Thank you,
0: (laughs) Mwah.